The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get ready for today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, Draft in your app store, is a great way to play fantasy sports, and right now, they have NFL best balls going and going strong. Go check it out. It's a great way to play. You draft. You don't worry about it. They take your best scores each week. It's a ton of fun. Use promo code SD Sports when you check out, and you'll get entry into a free $3 best ball tournament. So go check it out. Draft in your app store, draft.com, promo code SD Sports when you check out, and enjoy a great, fun way to play fantasy sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 108 that talks of fantasy base or fantasy football tonight sorry that was last week with a uh, special guest you can find him on fan track sports and most importantly from the fantasy black book series the best selling fantasy black book series joe piece of pia how we doing man I'm good, Bubba, man. It's it's nice to finally chat with you in person after all these years i feel like i've virtually known you forever so it's nice to hang out yeah, no, I appreciate it. I live vicariously through, like we talked about before, some other friends that you have. So we've, it's like the six degrees of uh, Joe Piece of Pia. We've met, you know, in another Will lifetime. you believe it that that Welsh and Bogman and I, in all these years, it's like six years now I've known those guys, we've never been in the same room ever. Yeah. All these that, years. That, that's <laughs> the, you know, when you say, hey, that's hilarious, but B, it's funny that. You could probably say about so many people in this industry. It's, it's, I guess. It's, Maybe it's better that way. Maybe that's why we're all still friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sometimes it's better not to meet the love of your life. It's just better uh, that I way. Yeah, there you go. There you go. God, if that's if they're the love of my life, man, boy, have I, I've really fallen off the, <laughs> off hey. the grid, man. It's a bad scene for me. Hey, you never know. Someone's, there's a love for everybody out there. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Welsh gives me crap. for This will be the second year in a row now where I don't go to Arizona for the – the uh, there's a fall league, and he gives me crap every time. So I'm in California, and he goes, "It's a short drive for you." But uh, yeah, he's right. Lives. He's right. I'm in New Jersey. I don't know what you're. If I was in California, <laughs> I would be there. In Jersey, it's tough to leave the kids for you know a couple days, especially that time of year. That's where it gets tough. But now, man, I'm excited to be here and talk some football with you, brother. Let's do it. Yeah, definitely. Before we get into actually players and teams, and you know, we're just kind of guessing for the most part with you know training camp starting pretty soon. We're like. Um, why don't you let us know, or the listeners know, for some reason, if they don't know what the fantasy black book is, <laughs> what do you have to offer? Because by now they should know it; they should be sleeping next to it. But um, what, what what is the fantasy black book, and what do we get out of it? Well, it's it's a damn sexy book, Bubba. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what? I mean, this is this is actually the twelfth black book, if you can believe it. It's the seven years now I've been doing this, and this is the twelfth black book. 
uh, between baseball and football and all they've all hit number one and every year it gets bigger. And, and I'm just so grateful to the folks out there. And I, I think the reason why people keep coming back and it keeps growing so much is because I'm offering something that nobody else is. I mean, there's other value based draft systems, but they don't go nearly as clear and adaptable as mine and relative position value really tells you, you know, there's so much tiers and rankings and all that stuff, but it's a lot of opinion. And a lot of it, it varies depending on how informed that opinion is. Some of it's very good. Some of it's not so much. But more importantly, how do you take those opinions and quantify them and then turn it into a strategy of how to draft, manage your teams, uh, do trades, you know, do drop ads, everything. So what the Black Book does in relative position value is it quantifies position scarcity. It tells you how much better at running back one Todd Gurley is than the fantasy league average RB1 in the top 12 if you're playing in that style league. It tells you how to approach two quarterback leagues, super flex, the difference in standard and PPR and half PPR and understanding really the way you should shape your strategy and that a player's value is based almost more about the format you're playing in with that player than it is on his talent level. And because it's unique and it's so different, we're all on the same plane now where there's so much information all the time that's just hand and just spoon fed to everybody. And everybody's on the same playing field, even if you're not very good. And that's, what's frustrating. Cause I remember like when you were like, you know, the internet's first started really like fantasy really has taken off if you knew certain sites, like nobody knew what Roto World was. If you knew what Roto World was, you were cool. And you're like, yeah, I get all this news and I'm ahead of stuff. And, you know, now everybody's on the same plane. So what can you do to separate yourself? Well, the Fantasy Black Book's one of those things. And I think that's why it's become so big because it really does work and it's completely adaptable. And most people play multiple leagues and formats and styles anyway. And there's very few books and guides and season-long guides, even for that matter, that really take you through all of them. You know, and that's what I love about it is that's the kind of, advice you get from a lot of people that have been in the industry for a while, like yourself and others is to be successful nowadays because there are so many avenues where you can get a lot of the same information is you have to be unique. And that's what separates you from many of the other ones. Um, you mentioned different types of leagues over and over there. And I know the answer, but I want to I talk to you about it for a minute. What is your preference of league? Setting? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> let's do it. I am a, give me a nice juicy super flex league. Do it up, baby. I mean, I don't understand why the quarterback is the highest scoring, for the most part, overall highest scoring position in fantasy, yet we neglect it every year. It's getting better, but I'll never understand why we're fighting over each other, falling over each other, trying to draft running backs that are going to score 110 points. Meanwhile, there's guys sitting on the waiver wire breaking 250, and I just it makes my head hurt. I already have no hair. Damn it, like, what's the problem? Why can't we get a grip on this? And the quarterback, like, if I asked you right now to start a franchise, what do you start it with? You started with a quarterback, because that's what the NFL is right now and has been for some time. And I think fantasy should mirror the game, and I'm glad Superflex is becoming more and more uh, accepted all around. It should be the industry standard, I'm hoping, in a couple years, because, I mean, let's challenge ourselves. Let's, let's find more ways to skin a cat and more ways to philosophically challenge each other. And Superflex allows that. You want to go big quarterback? You want to still go big running back? How do you want to do this? And also, I think what it does, Bubba, is it allows for people, too, to overcome injuries better. Because, you know, if you're just in a standard league with a flex, I mean, you lose that bell cow running back for the year. I mean, if you lost DJ last year, you were basically out week one, man. That sucks. Yeah, I'm with you. I was one of those DJ guys in about – I never got the number one pick. I had it like in three leagues last year, so that oh, was fun. Great, great, great time to have my it. friend. I'm sorry. But, now, of all the but, years, right, you finally get it, and then that's yeah, what happened. That's what I said. I'm like, I, I want to be back to the to the turn from now on. No more of this crap. But um, <laughs> I do I, – I knew you liked Superflex, and I like to talk about it because last year was the first year of the bar fleet with Mason and, uh, and Sammy uh, Reed yes. and Laura Michaels, all the guys out here. Sammy and, Reed, Black Book contributor. Yep. Yep, and he's a good dude as well. And um, they all are. We did this super flex, and I'd never done one before, never ever. And after playing that season, it was probably the most fun fantasy season I've had because, like you said, so much more contribution, so much. I guess if you could say real life football taking place on your roster and not getting wasted away, like you said, on waiver wires and bench. So yeah, it was a ton of fun. I mean, twelve teams and only twelve quarterbacks getting active a week. What the hell is that? I mean, that's that's insane. It's the most important position, the most productive position. We should be utilizing it. And I, I'm I'm nuts. I'm in a I'm in a super flex. Actually, it's a two quarterback twelve team league. Uh, that's roto football and IDP on top of it. So we got sacks and tackles oh, and all that stuff. And it is. And I've been playing it for three years. I won the first year. 
the second year I couldn't defend my championship. And then last year I was able to, cause I would, I wasn't able to do the draft and I won't play in a league if I can't do the draft. I just, that's my, it's my thing. And then last year I was able to place again, but that is another one where, you know, I understand why people don't want to do IDP, but I actually, that first year, that was the year I had Adrian Peterson and he was out for the year because of the, he beat his kid with a switch. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I guess I lost and I still won the league. And it was because I was able to manage the defensive end of stuff and manage the quarterbacks. And how great is it to keep everybody interested for as long as possible, despite major injuries. And that's a hard thing in this modern age of fantasy football. Oh yeah. It's getting, uh, baseball's starting to pass it up, but football is very, very difficult. Yes. Um, let's do some player talk now. Let's, let's do it. uh, some of the kind of the recent news, basically what I like to do is like you mentioned Roto world, you scan Roto world and here's our storylines. And that's kind of what we get to run with these days for the most part. But, uh, one that we've kind of monitored for over a year now is Andrew Luck. And he's, he's not just throwing nerf footballs now, finally, and people <laughs> are raving over Andrew Luck. Like he's like, he's coming back to earth and I am so just laughing half the time and I'm intrigued because you know, even two weeks ago, he was value in a sense, but now he's already QB 11 on fantasy pros, 94th pick overall. Is this the guy you want anything to do with, or do you want to see what Andrew Luck really has entailed? Well, I can tell you right now, if this is one of those things, it's very much based on what format you play in. If I'm in a single quarterback league and you're telling me he's QB 11, I can go you to go piss off, man, because that's just crazy. Why would you take that kind of chance? Unless you're immediately going to back that up with another quarterback. And that's fine. You want to take luck, you know, it was a certain pick and then take a Winston or somebody else who might have just fallen out of the top 12 because of the suspension or something like that, or take a Prescott and back it up. It's fine for me and a quarterback, one leagues, one quarterback. I'm waiting. I'm waiting as long as I can. I'm going to end up with a Stafford or a Rivers or somebody like that who, because relative position wise, percentage wise off the fantasy leg average, he's only like a, like a minus four negative, which means it's not, it's not that far off in terms of productivity. And that's why RPV and the black book stuff is so useful because it quantifies it. So it takes this whole, oh my God, Andrew Luck is so good. He threw 40 touchdowns one year and he's, you know, he's such a name brand, but you got to take that out and go, okay, what's the production say? Now, if I'm in a two quarterback league, like a 10 team, two QB and every 10 team league should be two QB. All right. Every single one of them. If I mean, if you're playing 10 team, like what are you doing? Like, just go, you know, go play with your, you know, your kids, friends and play in a fantasy league. Come on. Uh, but look, if you're talking about a, two quarterback league or a super flex. And as a second quarterback, you want to take a shot on Andrew Luck. I understand that, but you have to then still take a third quarterback and you have to keep in making sure you have insurance there. Because my thing is the offensive line hasn't changed. They still suck. The running game is highly suspect there to me. It's yeah. I understand the upside of Andrew Luck, but let's talk about the negative. Let's talk about the downside too. And it's still looming large. And if you look at that last season, yeah, 30 touchdowns is great. 4,000 yards is great. But you know what? I mean, Jared Goff is going to come close to those numbers, and nobody likes Jared Goff. So, I mean, you know, I do, but like a lot of people don't seem to understand. It's like they keep thinking about that 4,700-yard season in 14, and that's awesome. But everything broke right, and that offensive line is a far cry from where it was back in 2014. Yeah, and you mentioned Marlon Mack. That doesn't really light the, the world on fire for me. And uh, T.Y. Hilton's great and all, but like you said, uh, Luck's got to be standing up to make that happen. So it's tough. And and, and if he's going 11, you know, Roethlisberger's going 12, who's going to have a, a nice look at schedule. Oh, give me Roethlisberger year. every time over Andrew Luck, every time. Yeah. And I don't care. And you got to be content to be wrong. Like, I'm content oh, yeah. to be wrong. You know, and let him let him be good on someone else's team, man. Screw it. That's fine. Say, I'm good with I say, that. I say that all the time with DFS and other sports. If someone's going to beat me, so be it. But I'm not going to waste my time with that person. But, um, like, yeah, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan. I love Philip Rivers. That seems to be my go-to guy almost every season. And Marcus Mariota. So there's a lot of options you could definitely pick and choose from. Let's talk some Miami uh, Dolphins football. And it's an interesting one. I know it's not exciting to many people. But offensively, I think they're getting – maybe very disrespected in the world. Like there's, they're not the, the greatest team in the world, but they're more talented than they're getting credit for. And first I want to ask you, Ryan Tannehill, coming back from his injury, he's the 21st quarterback off the board right now. So, yes, in your 10-team leagues or two QBs, he might not get drafted. So is this a guy that deep, deep leagues is even worth a shot, or is it kind of a wait-and-see approach? Well, the problem with Tannehill is you saw micro um, – micro, um, positives from him a couple years ago where you're like okay it's kind of trending in the right direction just really slowly 
And then there was a huge regression in 16, and then he doesn't play in 17. And that really kind of spoils things. And now you're looking at a 30-year-old quarterback, and you're saying, okay, well, well, where are we right now with Tannehill? And, you know, for me, it's just it's not somebody as a second quarterback I like. And talking about what he can do with the rest of that offense, I mean, look, we already know what he is at his best, and his best so far he's shown us to be a guy who's going to throw for, you know, High to mid twenties touchdowns potentially. He's going to throw for a dozen picks and he's going to throw for about four thousand yards, and that's not bad. But the problem is there's no upside there either. I don't think, especially with the weapons he's got. But I'll tell you what, I'm not buying this whole Kenyon Drake narrative where everybody wants to crap all over Kenyon Drake. It was really good and explosive, and maybe maybe he does get the carries he's into, and maybe there's a couple times at the goal line early on where Frank Gore vultures a touchdown from him. But this narrative where people are all of a sudden just running away from Kenyon Drake. I'm not trying my best to make sure that I get him. He's not my priority in drafts, but I'll be damned if I'm going to like just completely pass on a guy just because, you know, now Frank Gore is there and he's 110 years old. I, I respect Frank Gore, but holy crap, like Kenny Drake showed that he doesn't even have to touch the ball that much in order to be explosive to return fantasy value on any given week. And I think he's going to a point now where it's almost too much hate going his way. And it's just strange how he gets too much hate and some other guys get not enough. Yeah, no, that was that's where I was going with someone. I had a little back and forth on Twitter the other day. Always a fun time. And um, oh yes, Twitter where you can was, engage in all sorts of very high end thought provoking yes. arguments. Yes, yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up here because I am fully on the Kenyon Drake. Like, what did he do wrong to be as he was the workhorse in the second half for the most part last season? What's his Frank Gore going to do to really accept maybe a couple of goal lines like he said? So, I think he's getting a lot of disrespect when it comes to what he could potentially do this season. Um, let's go to the wide receiver court. Now this gets interesting because Jarvis Landry was maybe what, what people would say a ball hog, but he was getting he's PPR gold, basically PPR gold. And now he's gone. So the options have to go somewhere. And you got, you know, Devontae Parker, who was good, but not great. Kenny Stills, who performs really well when Tannehill's off the field. And then Albert Wilson coming over from Kansas City. So three interesting options, getting them later in most of your drafts. And, you know, Albert Wilson right now is the popular name to take late, late in your draft. How do you look at those three guys? Has he really become the popular name? Is that happened? I've heard it a ton, especially in like that. Was I drunk this weekend and that happened? Is that that actually (laughs) happened? A probably, but that happened probably. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just people trying to be cute. You know, this is the same people that wanted to make Kenny Galladay happen last year, and I just kept rolling my eyes. Like, like I get it. Like, you know, it's it's the same CJ Spiller group when he was in New Orleans, where people go, "Well, but this guy could be this if you put him in there." And guys are not Lego pieces. You know, if theoretically, sometimes things look real good in the summertime until you see them in action and you realize, oh, they're not very good. You know, it's the one guy you haven't talked about is Amendola, who I think has the yeah. best chance to actually fit into that Jarvis Landry role and could surprise a lot of people in full PPR. I think, you know, for a guy that's going basically for free, I don't understand why you're not taking a guy who could catch 65, 70 balls and could have some productive weeks from a PPR standpoint. Now, look, is he going to light the world on fire with touchdowns? No, maybe he can get four or five, somewhere in that range. Who knows? Maybe there's upside for more, get lucky. But Devontae Parker, I'm not in that fan club. I've, you know, I've been cautiously optimistic, but never kind of dipped my feet in the Devontae Parker water. And I'm glad I have it. Now, Kenny Stills is a guy that I've used in DFS over the years. And last year, I used him. And I, boy, oh, boy, did I use him at the right times. I had some good Kenny Stills weeks. I think it was the Jets game I had him in another week. And that looked real smart because I talked about him on TV that Saturday night. And then Sunday, he went crazy. I was like, wow, that's great. I should quit now. I should never do fantasy again. (laughs) But, you know, from a weekly – and this is the difference, right? In best ball, yeah, maybe Devontae Parker at the end of the day will get you enough stats that you can justify him. But a weekly basis, I don't have any faith in him that he's going to be there. Kenny Stills, I don't have any faith in him he's going to be there. Ironically, I think Amendola might be the guy who on a weekly basis is going to be more consistent in that kind of slot role and that kind of role where they're filling the void uh, and something that he's used to doing. And it could be very quietly productive, and it's going to cost you absolutely nothing to find out. So if he sucks for a month, you drop him and it's over. I love that Amandola call. That's, uh, like you said, very, very overlooked. And it'd be funny if he was still wearing your Patriots colors, he'd probably be going like the 12th round. But he's in Miami and no one wants anything to do with him. Oh, and so, I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah, that's I don't a good point love there. Amandola. But, I mean, I, I, 
I respect Amendola enough to say, well, look, I mean, if we're looking for the Landry replacement, it's most no, likely it makes total sense. because he's the guy that fills that, that style of play the best. And, you know, and, and you want styles to line up and we don't know what his, you know, rapport is going to be with Brian Tannehill. But I think what we can all agree on is that Devontae Parker has been underwhelming so far in his career. Last year oh, no was it the best chance for him to show out. No, but you know, at the same time, he's had other opportunities and he hasn't either. So uh, again, you can chalk him up into that category of guys that I'm willing to let succeed on other people's rosters. No, I totally get it. So good stuff there. Let's talk about some rookie running back situations. And, you know, after the draft, everybody wanted to draft these guys thinking they're going to be the best running backs in the league. They're going to start day one and all that good stuff. And then reality hits. And you realize that veterans get jobs most more often out the gate. Doesn't mean they'll end the season in the role, but right now it's looking that way. And obviously it could just be all talk to motivate guys. But we'll start in Denver where Devontae Park, uh, Booker is announced as the starter to be expected to be the starter over rookie Royce Freeman, even though Freeman has a bunch of athletic ability that people love to target in fantasy leagues. Uh, how are you po- approaching this situation? Or is this a kind of, you don't want anything to do with any of them? I know you listened to the show. Do you happen to catch my Royce Freeman rant the other week? Or I was going on about somebody who was bashing Royce Freeman because he because he carried the ball so much in college and he played so much. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're bashing Royce Freeman because that, he played four years ago? Yeah, wait a minute. In a world where everyone's made of glass, we, we're we're gonna bash the kid because he he took the he took the field every game for four years and carried the football. I just, it's just, oh, it's the stupid hurt sometimes, man. Yes, uh, but is. Booker is a guy that I have been in that. I was the president of that fan club, and then I was the vice president last year. And now I feel like I might be like secretary of the interior or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just, I, I, I wanted it to happen. I thought last year would be okay. Look, shake it off. But the quarterback situation did not help either. And the first year he admitted he really wasn't, you know, dialed into the playbook the way he should be. It was a lot of shortcomings he had and he wasn't prepared. And then last year, I think he was more prepared. And then he had some injury issues and the quarterback play was awful. And then everything went south just because you're the starter. Doesn't mean you're the guy that gets the most touches. Everybody needs to keep that in mind. When you're talking about Carson, when you're talking about Booker, and it doesn't mean you're going to have the most impactful touches either. I think Booker's going to get every chance early on to win that job. And I think you're going to end up in a timeshare at some point in the season, because I would be, I'd be happy if he ran away with it. I just don't see that happening. And I will say this too. I think this is another one of those cases where this is why it's so important in drafts that you hit running back early and often. So you don't have to deal with these messes and these waiver wire running arounds and carousels that you guess. I have Todd Gurley. I have Saquon Barkley. I have, I have Melvin Gordon who doesn't get enough respect, you know, all he does every year is put up stats and nobody seems to care. It's like Devontae Freeman was like that too until last year, you know, every year he puts up stats and nobody likes him. Well, I'm sorry. He's not the sexiest guy. I'm sorry. He's not Le'Veon Bell, but give me stats that I can count on every week. And then you can avoid these, these mind numbing situations at running back. Yeah. Give me that consistency all day long with the Melvin Gordon. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I own you so might many Gordon to... shares already, dude. Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll own them all day long. I'll take that. I've got a bunch you know. of like I've been like the ninth pick and the eighth pick every time. I, I'm like, oh, geez. perfect. Fishbowl, yeah. Like I was fishbowl. I think it was eighth, and that's what I was like, just given to me. And I got Hopkins on the on the way back. I couldn't believe that Ooh. happened. So I know that is sexy I'm gonna make story. a run. In the, I'm gonna make a run in the bowl this year. I feel good about the fishbowl. <laughs> There'll be more than a goldfish this year. Um, go. Seahawks. This is a team that. Looks like they're giving up on life halfway through right now, changing all <laughs> kinds of uh, – like literally it's going to be – might be rough for the Seahawks unless Russell Wilson just goes bananas every single game. But they drafted Rashad Penny, uber-talented running back, and many thought he'd walk right in, especially in a team with some rough situations there. But now they're coming out this week saying Chris Carson is going to be the guy that's going to start out the season. Definitely got to imagine Penny's going to be the guy eventually. But like just like Denver, how do you approach the Seahawks situation? Well, this is another one, too. I don't understand why an organization would move up and spend all that draft capital to move up and take a running back who they could have waited on because they had to have him, and then they don't want to play him. I think this is a little bit of smoke and mirrors where they're just trying to put not too much pressure on the kid right away. Personally, that's where I think it is. Carson's not a guy that I want. Uh, The good part about this is if it starts to suppress Penny's uh, draft value in the next couple of weeks. That's a good thing because I think his draft value was just slightly higher than where I was comfortable. 
So I could see myself as we get into August, if it starts to fall a little bit, starting to own a little bit more Rashad Penny and, and understandably why. I will not reach for Chris Carson late. I've already seen that show. It's not good. Um, and, and, well, I mean, like I said, I just, I just don't see, you know, what's the point of going with Penny? And this is another team that has offensive line issues too. And, you know, the moral of this story is yet again, bell cows early and often guys who are guaranteed touches guys who aren't fighting for backfields. And that even means the Dalvin cooks after the injury. It means Joe Mixon after a disappointment. It means you look at it and you go, really, this guy should be the guy. And, and, you know, once you can do that, if you could do that two times in the first three rounds, all these other guys are just extras, right? They're all guys you play in flex. They're all guys you play. If there's an injury, they're guys you play on bye weeks. Whereas when you hit, if you take wide receiver first round or God forbid, double up, which is something I don't think you should do in PPR, especially this year, the way the wide receiver pool is so deep and there's so many strong number twos and high end threes. I don't understand why anyone would do that and set themselves into a bunch of question marks at running back where running back is where the volume is consistent on a weekly basis. Yeah, I completely agree. Like usually I, I I'm good with getting one back early and, and piecing it together. But when you really break it down right now, you almost want two or three running backs with like your first three or four picks. If you could get those bell cows, like you're saying at least two, I'd say like have a solid one, two punch, uh, and it, that that receiver depth so so deep, and we already talked about the quarterback depth. Give me Philip Rivers; he's like the 18th guy off the board. Um, you could definitely make worse decisions in life every year. Uh, all but, over Philip Rivers every year. Yep, <laughs> him and his 12 kids all the time. <laughs> yeah, geez, talk about all over stuff. Geez, take a break, Rivers. Holy yeah, crap! Take, every time this guy gets a bye week, he's got another kid. Nine months you later, think he know, you think he'd work on the play action a little more, but he just doesn't <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, geez, a little shotgun maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe run and shoot. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, nailed it. There's the hashtag for the show. Yeah, run, and shoot. run and shoot. All <laughs> right, let's go. Oh, boy. Let's go Cleveland Browns. You know what you were getting into when you invited me here. You knew, Bubba. You knew what this is going to be. I'm all for this. I embrace this. Um, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns. You got me so flustered now. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting one because I loved Carlos Hyde last year, and they got him dirt cheap, which made no sense to me. Duke Johnson, PPR gold uh, for me in, P- in DFS and season long. Then they go and draft Nick Chubb. This is this is an odd one here. How do you approach this whole Cleveland backfield? Because they've got so many pieces to this puzzle. Well, Hyde's inability to stay healthy is troubling. Um, that being said, I think that if you're looking for 2018 – You've got to think that they're going to do everything they can to to make sure Hyde is the guy. And and the reason is because I think they're going to want to move to Baker Mayfield sooner than later. I really do. I I, I think Tyrod Taylor is just a Band-Aid here. Uh, they want to go with the young kid. They've got nothing to lose as far as job stuff goes. Like They've got to show improvement. they got to show improvement fast. And the fact that Hugh Jackson still has a job is just stunning to me. Uh, you can lose – you can win one game in two years and, and still – you know, have a job. That's great. We should all go work for the Cleveland Browns. They have no expectations. It's like Vince Vaughn's character in dodgeball, right? He has no expectations. <laughs> therefore he's never disappointed. Uh, but Chubb is clearly, I think the more superior talent problem is rookie running backs need to learn blocking schemes. They need to earn the, the trust that they're not going to put the ball on the ground. There, there's a lot of things that they have, you know, the pass blocking stuff There's there's a lot of things that rookie running backs have to do. And it's it's getting better. You're getting more Ezekiel Elliott's, and I think Saquon Barkley is going to be another one who's going to be good right away, and Cook was right away very good until he got hurt. You're seeing more of them impact right away, but still, most of the time, there's a learning curve, and I think that Chubb is more of a second-half guy, and I'd rather take the chances with Hyde on the off chance he does have a good season and can actually stay healthy because I think they have some pieces in Cleveland, actually, and they do have some potential offensive weapons. But, you know, by the time we get to week seven of the season or week eight of the season, chances are your fate's already been decided. And I don't think you can wait for Nick Chubb to decide whether or not you're going to be a playoff team. I think that's tough. Chubb might be a guy that I would trade for more than draft. What are your thoughts on Duke Johnson? Uh, Duke's role is the same no matter what. And and it's funny because in PPR, like in the fishbowl, I took Duke. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. I, was like, I want nothing to do. But I know what Duke Johnson's role is going to be. And I know he's going to end up – with a pretty good all-purpose yardage number. And let's not forget that all-purpose yards matter, you know? And and there's the, there's a hashtag for you too, all-purpose yards matter. Yes. But they do because, you know, people seem to neglect that because, you know, it's 
again, sometimes he might struggle for the end zone or, you know, he's not going to be the guy that gets every single touch you want him to in a game, but he has a role. It's defined in the offense. And no matter what happens with the other two guys, it's not going to matter. So he's the safer investment. And I think a, a very good one still, because, you know, they just paid him too. Uh, to me, Duke is a guy that's worth owning. No, I agree. That's why I, I loved when they, they got Hyde, they drafted Chubb, and I heard a lot of people start going, well, that means Duke screwed. I'm like, no, you're no. the same people that laughed at me every week on my DFS show when I said, oh, $4,200 for Duke Johnson? Yes, please. Every oh, yeah, 100%. Week. And there's another, I, there's another best ball name too because yes. at the end of the day, he's nothing but stats. You know, Great floor and- with a high ceiling. Got it, man. Totally. Yeah. I love it. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about Rotoware. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with Rotoware in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears, who some think are going to have a better offense this year with Mr. LaFleur coming to town. But um, – or not LaFleur, uh, out of LA. Uh, sorry, wrong team. Oh, that's Maggie. Uh, Look, that's I said Maggie, dodgeball. Yes. That's why you said LaFleur. Yes, got me. Yes. So I'm, right now you're watching that's this. Mine, I don't know. It's ESPN, mine. the Ocho. Um, Bears offense. Jordan Howard, he is a bell cow back. He's one of the few that are left in the league. Tariq Cohen's really, really good, but this, to me, screams it's still Howard's role. And there are already reports coming out he's going to be catching maybe three, four, five balls a game, which definitely increases his value. Right now, he's running back 14 off the boards early in these uh, average draft positions by fantasy pros. What's your thoughts on a guy like Jordan Howard, who he's good, but he wasn't flashy to many, so they're still kind of down on him? Well, how flashy can you be when your quarterback only throws the ball nine times in a game? I mean, really, like, that's the thing. Like, people when you have a crap- stacked box every time. Yeah, I mean, it was like there's 12 guys in the box. Like, even bring a guy from somewhere else off the, from, the, from the sideline. There's like 14, 15 guys there. Like, just bring everybody from the sideline. Even the backups are in there. You know, they're stacking the box with so many guys. And it's, it, it's just – it's hilarious to me because Jordan Howard's a good player. Jordan Howard, now that you actually have a wide receiver of note – to worry about defending you have a tight end who's very athletic and runs good routes you have a quarterback now with a, with a coach in Nagy, and you saw what Nagy did last year the last month of kareem hunt was stunning and let's all not forget how bad he was in the middle of the season when andy reed was playing calling plays and you're telling me that that guy is going to go to 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 chicago sign me up and I, and I put my money where my mouth is too that was my third pick in the fishbowl uh it was gordon then deandre hopkins and then howard and Makes it's sense. Howard. Yeah, and I know. I was like, wow, this is really working out for me. I feel good about this. We'll see if everyone stays healthy. But man, I mean, here's another guy who Tariq Cohn's a, a nice talent. Tariq Cohn's going to do some explosive things. He's going to have some highlight real plays. But I look at Jordan Howard as a three down back and I look at Howard, you know, you can improve in the passing game. You can't improve, you know, your ability of awareness. You can't uh, improve your, your instinctual running ability. And I think Howard has that. I think he always did. It was overlooked the first time. And John Fox was reticent to give the reins to him until basically Howard just gave him no choice. Cause he played so damn well. And then last year, I mean, it was, a, I mean, it's an awful quarterback play. And then a kid who really wasn't ready and got, you know, a little bit better as time went on. But look, there's an opportunity here to buy in on Howard at, I think a very low price. I mean, gosh, if you're going to get him in the third as your second or third running back, potential, you go three straight running backs. That is fantastic. I mean, give me that every day. I'll sign up for that volume because remember weekly fantasy football, 
the best thing you do is put yourself in the in the opportunity for points. And how do you do that? With running backs who have the opportunity for a set number of touches in a game. You don't know how many catches or targets a guy's going to get any given week. You can hope, but I pretty much know that you know these guys are going to get 15 to 20 carries in a game or touches in a game. And that's important. And that's why a guy like Howard, I think, is still grossly undervalued. No, I completely agree. I love that. The fact you got him in the third round is ridiculous. Um, that's really, really solid stuff. You mentioned they finally – you mentioned they finally have a receiver in Allen Robinson. We remember how good he was a couple of years ago. Mitchell Trubisky, not Mitch. Get it right, people. Mitchell Trubisky is everyone saying, okay, now that Nagy's there, here he comes. He's going to throw the ball like 20 times a game. Are we expecting Allen Robinson to, to elevate Trubisky and you know become that number one again? Or are you still worried about the young quarterback's abilities? Oh, I think there's still growing pains there for sure. I think the Bears' offense is an offense that I'm looking forward to be surprisingly good in the second half of the year. I think it's going to take everybody a while to gel. It's a lot of new pieces there, new tight end, new wide receivers, new coach, new system. Everything's new. So if it starts slow out of the gate, there's a prime trade target for you. Go trade for Allen Robinson, go trade for Trey Burton, all those pieces. Uh, that being said, if you want to draft and you're patient enough to ride the bumps with these guys, then I think Allen Robinson can certainly end up being a very strong high end to, or a low end, double pairing. Like if you put like Allen Robinson and Demarius Thomas together as your wide receiver core, I'm good with that. You know, somebody like that, somebody like two guys that are once upon a time, number ones and are going to have some number one type games, but not on a Odell Beckham frequency or an Antonio Brown or Deandre Hopkins frequency. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that should be everyone's approach in wide receiver this year, because I think that's what the the pool is telling you. And, and guys like Adam Thielen and, and these guys that, you know, you look at what's available there. There's there's a really strong core of once you get past that elite four group that they're a lot closer than people think. And it really comes down to managing the matchups. And this is where playing DFS helps. I think the season long players now where you're if you're able to navigate that and play matchups better and clearer, you can really maximize wide receiver unlike any other position. Yeah, DFS has helped me tremendously in baseball and football. Like it, it opens your eyes to so many things. Um, last question on the Bears offense. Trey Burton coming over from Philadelphia, and everybody loved him. You know, when Zach Ertz was out, he blew up. Uh, and we know how Nagy and the Chiefs love to use their tight end and Kelsey. Can Burton be that guy? Is he going to be the next best thing at tight end, or is this way too much hype? Uh, I think he can. This is a problem. I, I – you know, in the off season when Jake Seo and I were doing shows <clears throat> towards the end of last year, we were like our wish list of things we want. And I said, I want Trey Burton to be on the Bears because that's a perfect fit for him and it's going to be great and all that stuff. And then what happens is I found out everybody wanted that. Now it's not special anymore. Now I have to pay for it. And that's the problem. And then the Hunter Henry injury happened and a tight end starts to get a little bit more squished together. And now I'm going to get a point where now it's like, uh, you know, I, I hope it does. All the potential in the world is there for it to happen, but I, I think it's something that's going to happen more in the second half, and I don't know how much it's going to help everybody. Remember, you're playing for 13 weeks here you know, to get into the show, and this is what you're trying to do. So if guys aren't helping you till week seven or eight, that's a problem possibly. So you have to be really aware uh, You know, if it takes a while for this team to gel what you're getting yourself into. But that being said, I think – I think Burton has a better chance to be productive right away with Trubisky because the, the the trend for young quarterbacks is always to check down to the tight end. And we saw, I mean, Cam Newton made Greg Olson so useful right away. And there's a lot of guys like that over the years where, you know, that safety blanket of the tight end could be something that actually happens sooner than Allen Robinson. Yeah, I completely agree. And moral of the story for the kids out there listening is um, it's, you don't always have to pay for the squish tight ends. It's just not always worth it. It's what you're telling us. So. Well, I mean, here's the thing. RPV will tell you if, you if you pay for the – there's only one team that's going to have Rob Gronkowski on it, right? Exactly. And he's still that that level difference above everybody else. And I can quantify it in the black book and tell you how much better he is. But you have he's to buy lead. it so you can find out. Right. But the thing is, that's only one team's going to have that advantage. And, yeah, Kelsey's very good. And, and yeah, Ertz had a very good season. But we've been waiting for Ertz to be good for a couple of years. And then last year, it finally happened. He was so consistent every week. But still, I mean, all you have to do is catch a touchdown to be a tight end one any given week. So find the guys that could do that and figure that out. And if you can, then you don't have to pay for a tight end at all. Would you, would you rather have one of those top three tight ends or wait? Oh, I wait. I wait all the time because the top three tight ends still go too high for my taste. I agree. From what I've That's seen great. so far. In a 10-team league, I would do it. 
And I'll tell you why. In a 10-team league, I'd fi- I'd be fine in the third round grabbing one of the big tight ends because the wide receiver pool is so yeah. deep Ridiculous. that I can make I can figure it out at wide receiver. But the problem is once you go to 12 or 14 teams or you know 15-team leagues when you get deeper, the problem then becomes it's like, ugh, do I want to spend for that and be weak at wide receiver because it could be a lot, you know, I'm going to need bodies there. And all of a sudden the amount, the, the math changes. And when the math changes, that's what you have to pay attention to. And this is where the industry fails people in most draft preparation guide mm-hmm. work type stuff. It fails because it doesn't talk enough about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's the idea in in all sports in theory, what you, in the roundabout way you're talking about is based on league size, position, scarcity impacts so much of what you're doing. And like you said, is people don't pay attention to that at all. Because when you, when you go to the super deep leagues, like you're saying, you can go wide receiver heavy, you can almost treat tight end. You don't have to, but you can almost treat tight end like a defense and stream it most of the time if you really yeah. want to get weird. If you well, really like, want to get weird with it. I think there's going to be guys like Ricky Seals-Jones, and I don't think he's going to have a problem with this legal thing. I think it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be like a Starbucks 2.0 thing where they're just going to apologize <laughs> and say, let the man use the bathroom for God's sakes. Um, but – you know, there's going to be guys like that. I mean, you could speculate over the even the Jake Butts of the world and guys like that who there's potential out there. You can you could throw a bunch of you know darts at the wall and some of them are going to stick. I'll tell you what, give me Kyle Rudolph on the cheap yes, too, uh, and give me Kyle Rudolph with Kirk Cousins. I I love uh, the Vikings with Cousins this year, man. I'm having you know how Cousins likes his tight ends. That's a great play. He does, man. But to me, that that's a perfect spot because there's going to be so much attention with Cook and those wide receivers that. Rudolph is going to have a whole lot of red zone opportunities, and we'll see what happens there. Yep, I love that a lot. He should have a huge year. Uh, a couple more topics real quick. Um, we've been hearing chatter since Hunter Henry got hurt for the year, and it's kind of picked up a little bit of late. It still kind of makes me chuckle when I hear it, but I also realize this is very possible from happening. And the Chargers might bring back Antonio Gates. And we know Antonio Gates can catch touchdowns all day long in his sleep if he really wants to what's your interest in a guy like Antonio Gates? Or are you just going to be like, you know what? Let him have his, another swan song on top of his last swan song. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, he can keep singing that song all day long as far as I'm concerned, man. Uh, give me old man Gates. You know, I, yeah. I don't care. You know, because that's exactly, like, exactly what I want to pay. I don't want to pay much, and I want to pay for touchdowns. And he's going to give me that. So if he catches, you know, if he's got three for 30 and a touchdown, guess what? The tight end won that week. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to, you know, it's not a stunning line, but it's good enough, and that's all I need. And it's not something where you have to worry about a guy fitting into the offense. It's not like an older player, you know, trying to f- play with a new quarterback. He's been playing with Rivers for a decade. You know what I mean? So for me, it's a no-brainer. Let's hope that it all happens. And if it doesn't, the guy that I, I like the most to be the beneficiary is Mike Williams because he's got the kind of body in the red zone that can make a difference. And whereas Keenan Allen's the target monster, you need that guy in the red zone. I think Mike Williams could really be that guy if Gates isn't an option. Yeah, I love it because you know Rivers loves going to Gates in the in the red zone. So that's a that's a fun one there, and interesting to see how it all comes to be. Let's talk Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. Quarterback situation still up in the air, obviously, and that's a whole other debate for another day. But he had some offseason issues, one would say. But the talent can't be ignored. He was phenomenal last year, and he's still just very very young. If all the trouble off the field goes away, how are you approaching Robbie Anderson this year with the kind of quarterback flux they have going to New York? Robbie Anderson is a disgusting waste of a human being. Now, that being said, I'll still take him on my fantasy my team. Roster. That's right. There's a spot for you, Robbie. And you know why? This is very Italian of me. It's very New York Italian. It's because it's business. It's not personal. This is, business. <laughs> this is what it is. This is the business, all right? And, and I want Robbie Anderson because Robbie Anderson's the one on a bad team playing from behind. And that means garbage time stats. Yay! I love garbage time stats. They're the best. Just ask Blake Bortles a couple years ago about all the garbage time stats. Uh, I mean, hell, he had 2,000-yard receivers with garbage time stats, if you remember when Hearns and Robinson that year. But, you know, I'm telling you, when you look at the Jets, it's still a bad football team. I think Inunwal being back is good. I think Crowell was a nice addition. We'll see how long it takes them to play the rookie. I say they sit him for a good chunk of the season. Personally, I don't think Darnold's ready to go out there and take the ball right away, but Robbie Anderson's a guy that, you know, people are, uh, people should be down on him. You know, personally, I, I get it, but professionally, this is a guy that almost got a thousand yard season last year. If McCown's playing quarterback again, he's in a better position now because they have a better running back and another wide receiver on the other side. 
all of a sudden you should say though, that's a lock for a thousand yard season and six, seven touchdowns. And that's great considering the ADP. And yeah, there's a risk there because there's a risk at, you know, on a Sunday night after the game, he gets arrested because he's done something stupid and that's just part of the gig and you have to factor that in. But I think that's factored into the cost already you're paying. And right now I'm at peace with that cost. And, and I think everybody sometimes needs to, to remember that this is about winning, you know, it's, it's like a Roldis Chapman a couple of years ago. I, I had every share there was to have a Roldis Chapman that year he was suspended and people were like, Oh my God, I can't believe you drafted him as early as you did. I'm like, he's the best closer in baseball right now. And you're telling me he's going to miss a month. Like that's 30 days. That's nothing. You could fart and hit may in baseball yeah, and everything. Exactly. And guess what? And I won a lot of championships because I had him in those leagues and, and he took off. So, yeah, you know, no. that's the thing. Like you gotta be able to put the personal stuff aside. Yep, business is business, like you said. It's a model that most should try living life by. It'll get you a lot further. Oh yeah, um, and, I'm, and I'm a big moral guy. Like I am, I'm a pain in the ass. Yeah. But, and I am, and I don't like Robbie Anderson. I don't, you know. I just, if he was on my team, I would not like him very much. You know, I would, I would stick to that. But in fantasy, it's different. You have to put all that crap aside and treat them differently, and say, okay, what's the risk here? And there is, just like this risk with Josh Gordon too. Yep, and that's where we're going next. Good segue. You've done this before. Um, uh, (laughs) Last topic we'll talk about is Josh Gordon, who, you know, he's been doing all the right things. We know the talent is off the charts, and when Baker Mayfield gets in there, it could be real interesting. But Tyrod Taylor knows how to throw a deep ball too, Um, and Gordon's more than just a deep threat, obviously. But he's already reporting he's not showing up for uh, the start of training camp, and then he he tweeted out a a report today saying it's a part of the medical plan, and this is what they want for me to stay healthy, and so on and so forth. You know how people like to overreact. There was a million different takes on this. What's your thoughts on this Josh Gordon deal? Does this worry you at all, or is it just like, okay, as long as he shows up for week one, I don't care? I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I'm a South Park fan, so oh, the yes. member, yeah, so the member berries come to play here. And everybody <laughs> wants the member that 1400 yard season, and member, member, and look, Josh Gordon was so good. I mean, no one's gonna doubt his ability to play. I, I think you know people's reaction to marijuana is grossly <laughs> overstated. It's it's ridiculous. It it's helps legal in many places. It helps. Look, we're so much smarter because of it. But I just. You know, all, all that stuff, especially when you're playing a physical game, too. People yes. will tell you, you know, the, the, you know it's, it's. You want to go get stoned or let him get drunk in a club. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Let the guy get stoned and, and watch a stupid movie and eat a Pop Tart, for God's exactly. sake. Leave him alone. You know, but look, I, I think there's another one with Josh Gordon. The talent is immense. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little rich for my blood right now where he's going. I'd rather have Jarvis Landry. I had this argument with somebody else. Um, and, and I understand why. Uh, it's. I think it was actually Matt who actually wrote um, uh, the wide receivers in the black book this year. Matt Franciscovich, um, who used to write for NFL.com, he works for Madden now. We just had him on the show yesterday, and you know he was talking about you know the upside of taking Gordon because of the talent, because of the the potential. And I'll settle for maybe less touchdowns, but I'll I'll settle for the reliability and dependability of Jarvis Landry because again, like like the Michael Crabtrees of the world. Every week, give me the guy with the floor. Every week, give me the guy that's going to give me opportunities and and put stats up. And you know what? Most weeks, I'll be better than 75, 80% of the teams. Yeah, there'll be some times that one guy will go off, and, and hopefully you have those guys on your roster too. But in the early going, you, you keep building floor, and, and the bonus guys are for last. There's nothing worse than people who build an entire roster for their season-long league that looks like a tournament lineup, right? Where it's just all these guys that are boomer bust, and I'm just like... Man, save that for your flex. Save that for your wide yes. receiver three. You know, go get Corey Davis late. Yeah, good. Like, don't don't try to get cute. You know, nobody cares about all the rookies you know. And, you know, you know, getting that buzz in the draft room when you say that rookie name or whatever it is, it's like, oh, great. Who cares? Give me the old fart who does it every year. You know, give me Michael Crabtree and, and leave me alone. <laughs> you know, and, and there's another guy, too, who, you know, two great years, one down year. Now everybody wants to kill him. And. Meanwhile, he's in a great spot there in Baltimore. Yeah, he has an elite quarterback thrown to him now. You got to be ready. For elite, that. that's right. Well, an elite money quarterback. We all yeah. know. Well, you could have Lamar Jackson throwing to him sooner than later too. That's, that's an interesting situation all in itself. I almost put it on the outline, but I don't think we need to go there quite yet. But um, you mentioned Josh Gordon, he's 16th receiver overall, 38th pick overall. Like he's mentioned, Jarvis Landry's 23rd receiver, 54th. Give me yeah, it's a Larry much better Fitzgerald. return on investment. 
Yeah. Jimmy Fitzgerald all day at the 19th receiver. Agreed. I, who's that's... right after him too? Like it's it's Fitzgerald after Gordon. It's Fitzgerald, and then who else is around? Well, there? it's it goes Gordon Smith, Schuster, Allen Robinson, Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, Cooks, Jeffrey Landry. Yeah, Cooks, Demarius. You know, yeah, there there's a bunch of those guys that I I feel I just feel better about. And, and look, I'm not risk averse. I'm risk adverse in the first five rounds. Because I just don't think it's necessary. So what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position where this has to work out. And if it doesn't, then something later on that's even less likely to work out has to work out to make up for the thing that didn't work out in the first place. And that's just a terrible, vicious cycle to send yourself in. Yeah, I feel like you and I should never draft in a league together. Because, or uh, maybe you should draft together and use the, do the same team. Because this is scary. Because that's what like, you do. Because I'm with you. I have a lot of uh, Fitzgerald every year, Philip Rivers. People might say my roster is boring, but it works because, yeah. like you say, like your first five or six rounds, these are supposed to be your, your every week starters. Yeah. You want you know this what's to be boring? consistently Count, good. Counting money isn't boring. Yes. It never gets it. boring. It's never. Great. <laughs> yes. It is so much fun. You know what else is fun? Joe Piece of Pia, folks. Joe, Ooh. you are a busy, busy man. Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on with the Black Book, fan tracks, uh, those clowns you record with, all that good uh, stuff. Those clowns. Well, look, you can always catch me uh, uh, on fan tracks uh, at Full 60, which uh, actually we might be uh, turning soon into the Fantasy Black Book, Full 60, whatever. I don't know. what. There might be a little rebranding going on there, but it's going to be me, the Welsh, Scott Bogman. It's Full 60 uh, Fantasy Football right now. You can subscribe to it everywhere, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Anywhere there's, there's a podcast, you can find us. Uh, on top of that, you can get the new Fantasy Football Black Book 2018. It's available on Amazon for Kindle. It's available on um, iTunes as well. And, of course, you get the hard copy on Amazon. It it unbelievable every year. It astounds me how many people still want to hold the book in their hand, and yeah. I think it's great, you know? People tell me they love it because it's like the right kind of it's the right kind of paper you can highlight and make notes and write stuff down. <laughs> so they they love it, and people want to hold it in their hand. I think it's great, man. So go get your copy today on Amazon. Number one, twelve straight years. It's got to be a reason because it's just me and a couple of uh, my favorite people writing football. And you know, it's me, Jake Seely, Matt Franciscovich, Nate Hamilton from the Footballers. Uh, Sammy Reed does DFS. Gary Davenport does all the defense and IDPs. Nobody better than Gary. It's it's an elite group of people with an elite system in RPV. And that's why people keep coming back. It's gotta be number one, man. Cause it ain't my pretty face. Although I'm pretty, I ain't that pretty. No, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's, awesome. it's awesome stuff, man. And uh, you do great work. Thanks, and uh, everybody go check them out. If you aren't already, like, if you're listening to me, you probably already listen to Joe. So just throwing it out there, but uh, great stuff. Check them out also on Twitter at Joe piece to PS 17, but Joe, thanks for joining me, man. We will definitely do this again sometime. Uh, lots of fun. Anytime Bubba. You're fun. I like it. Let's do it. All right, hashtag run and shoot. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 108. Catch you guys later. (laughs) 